Welcome back, Saturday Sports, TSN 690. It's the afternoon portion of the show as uh, we have past noon and uh, it is lunchtime. And I don't know if uh, John still is munching on anything. I'm going to wait till 1 o'clock uh, when the show's over. But uh, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, you can text us at 11690. Just want to provide an update on the uh, Montreal Canadiens lines. Uh, Dominic Ducharme is uh, meeting the media as we speak. And of course, the big story this morning is that Kotkaniemi was between Josh Anderson and Tyler Toffoli, uh, but they haven't committed committed to playing Josh Anderson tonight. He's going to be a game-time decision, uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he does get in. They haven't confirmed that, and uh, Dom Ducharme also saying that they might rotate the right-wingers a little bit tonight. Uh, so no guarantee that Anderson's going to play at all, and there's no guarantee that he's going to stay on the uh, right side of Kotkaniemi and Toffoli uh, for the entire game. But I do want to change gears a little bit, and I want to go to somebody who probably, not probably, who definitely has the best name of any guest that we've ever had on the program. His name is Thor Nystrom. He's the uh, NFL draft and college football analyst for NBC Sports Edge. Thor, what's going on, man? How are you? Hello, Canada. How are you guys doing? Doing fantastic. Thor is their real name, right? It is. It is. Yeah, that's a great name. It's funny. Uh, when I reached out to Thor earlier this week, so I work for NBC Sports Edge on the hockey side, and uh, I mentioned he works on the football side. And so I asked him to come on, and uh, he thought, that or did you think I was the former St Stanford linebacker Joey Alfieri? I, I just had to ask, just because it's such a unique <laughs> name, and you know I'm obsessed with college football, always have been, and so I, I just had to ask just to clarify. You know, it's, just, it's all good. It's right? so unique, right? It it would be impressive if the former Stanford linebacker Joey Alfieri was working for NBC Sports Edge on the hockey side. That would that <laughs> would be been. outside the box thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right, man. So, uh, look, I want to get into these these quarter like the quarterbacks that are coming out and going into the draft this year. Um, I saw where Chris Sims had the former NFL quarterback had Zach Wilson, the BYU quarterback, ahead of Trevor Lawrence, who's for the most part the consensus number one pick uh, going into uh, April. But I just wanted to know where you stood on those two. Yeah, Joey, we'll have to we'll have to walk carefully now at talking about another colleague's uh, quarterback <laughs> ring because Chris Sims had some interesting takes. Um, but yeah, you know, j just touching on the, the Zach Wilson thing, I'm I'm a little bit lower on Zach Wilson, not only than than Chris Will or uh, Chris Chris Wilson, Chris Sims, but you know, the industry uh, in general. Um, I I just think um, he's being a little bit overblown right now for a number of different reasons that that we can get into. We could, we could talk about the entire segment about that. But for me, Trevor Lawrence is the clear number one. Um, he's not only the clear number one in this class, for me, he's the clear number one prospect that I've ever evaluated. I've done this job for five years. I've put him at the number one at the top of any of the classes. So um, it, it's a little bit surprising to me that people are, are trying to put other prospects above him, to be honest. Uh, so, so Trevor Lawrence over... Uh, Justin Herbert, uh, Joe Burrow, all the two, all those guys. Absolutely, yep. What does he do really, really well? What makes him stand out? It's so you. I mean, like you have the thing of just like the prototypical um, pocket stuff, right? So you have like the prototypical frame. He's six six. He has ten inch hands. He has a howitzer arm. He's he's a he's a you know he, he's a long levered full-body thrower who is the best downfield passer, um, I believe, in the history of, of PFF uh, uh, grading. Um, just a ridiculous downfield thrower. People will remember him and T. Higgins just dominated college football when, when they were together. 
and Lawrence is great throwing downfield this season as well. I mean, he can get it 70 yards downfield, no problem. But it's not only that, it's also that he is an insane athlete at that size. And not just like, oh, you know, he, he's a good athlete for what he looks like. He's a legitimately awesome athlete. Like, if you watch on tape, there will be times where ETN will break away into the open field and Lawrence will catch up to him, which is shocking not only because he's catching up to him, but the reason he's catching up to him is because he intends to throw a block downfield. Um, and so one other kind of cool thing about Lawrence is he's a tough kid. He'll throw blocks downfield um, when he's running. He's willing to not only fight upfield for yards, he's willing to drop the shoulder. He's willing to throw his, his body weight uh, into defenders, into shock defenders who think he, he's going to slide. That's something that the NFL is going to tell him to stop doing, that Urban Meyer is going to tell him to mm-hmm. stop doing. But it's just another um, sort of tool in his, his tool set. You know, one thing I, I tell people is when Lawrence came in, he was, you know, one of the top recruits of all time. You know, I mean, the, the 247 uh, recruiting era, you know, period. Um, and when he came in, like, you know, so it's sort of like the LeBron James of football, you know, college football in a way. Um, but Clemson had this established starting quarterback, Kelly Bryant, that they'd won a lot of games with. Um, and so Dabo Sweeney had a really difficult decision. And Lawrence ended up displacing him like four or five games into that um, season or whatever. And, and, and Lawrence, of course, is this football prodigy. Um, but one way he endeared himself to his teammates, it wasn't just like, you know, the physical tools. You're not going to endear yourself that way. But it was these these toughness kind of things, you know, hanging in the pocket, taking the shots, blocking downfield, um, fighting for the extra yards, even though a player of his ilk, you just don't see guys uh, doing that in general. Like you didn't see Peyton Manning at Tennessee running in the open field and legitimately (laughs) throwing his body, trying to, you know, gain three extra yards on a a run. But you saw Lawrence doing stuff like that. You didn't see, you know, Peyton Manning catching up to his running back in, in the open field and then trying to crush a a safety, you know, 50 yards downfield. So there's, there's all that sort of stuff. He's also very accurate. Um, th- there's very few weaknesses when, when you go through his, his game. He sometimes forces the ball, but that's like, like any of the weaknesses that you inevitably get to, they're things that dovetail off of his weaknesses. The reason he sometimes forces the ball is because he has such a ludicrous arm that he inevitably tries to, or he thinks that he can get the ball in anywhere, into any window. Right, like he thinks he can fit the ball through a keyhole, and a lot of times he can, but sometimes it, it ends up where he forces the ball. You know, very rarely it's 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 you know it's like Trevor, you should have thrown that away. But like when we talk about uh, his weaknesses, it's nitpicky things that again are coming off of things that are just strengths. Where it's like in the future when he matures, um, things like that aren't going to happen as much because he's going to realize, oh, I probably shouldn't be throwing my body around, or there's times where I'm going to need to throw it away, or. Um, you know, I just so happen to be like ludicrously athletic at six foot six. Like maybe I should, you know, in, in some of these instances, I can just pull the ball down and scramble a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's Thor Nystrom. He's the NFL draft analyst for NBC Sports Edge, uh, joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. So look, a, a lot of the early mock drafts here have uh, Zach Wilson from BYU going second. You mentioned that you're not as big a fan uh, as the rest of the mainstream media. So, in your mind, the Jets at number two should look elsewhere and keep Sam Darnold? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it would be. Well, it's for me, I would, if I was in the Jets situation, I before I even made that decision, I would need to know what I can get for Sam Darnold, right? So, like, because we don't know, you know, like, you know, is are they being offered a Carson Wentz type package? Is it more than that? Is it is it lighter than that? Um, 
you would have to know what that is. And then also, how bullish are they on, whether it's Wilson, uh, whether it's Fields, et cetera, right? And then also, um, you know, how high, how high are they on Darnold, right? Yeah. Um, because the other option is they could, you know, potentially take a, a player of a different position or they could trade down, of course. Um, and so, like, they have numerous uh, different options, and they also have a, a ton of draft equity, of course. Um, there's the Deshaun Watson stuff as well. So, so there's so many different, you know, it's sort of like, you ever seen Doctor Strange from like the Marvel thing where it's like yeah. all the different worlds and all the different realities, <laughs> you know, and you can change it, whatever. Like the Jets right now, even though it's like this really poorly run organization for like several years, et cetera, they do find themselves at this sort of crossroad where there's several different interesting um, paths forward. Um, and they just sort of have to, um, you know, evaluate each one and, and look at the value of, of each of these things is, is, is basically what I would do because there's so many different moving pieces and mechanics with, with, with each of these ones. And I just don't know, like, I, I don't know what they're being offered for, for Darnold or what they're being offered in a trade down, et cetera. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I, I don't know, you know, or I don't know, man, like if it's, if it comes down to getting a, a second round pick or, you know, I, I don't know that I would make that trade. I'd probably hang on to Darnold, but I, I don't see other teams offering, you know, multiple ones or anything like that. Do you? Not, not for Darnold, certainly. I don't think yeah. so. Um, and then, you know, again, like you, you have to make the, the call then. And, you know, on the other end of it, there's, there's the Watson thing, like, you know, like, yeah. do you want to give you know, multiple first, um, you know, you have, you have two this year. Do you want to give those, do you want to give multiple seconds? Do you want to give future first, um, you know, and then trade Darnold to another team. And then there's the mechanics too, of like, would the Darnold trade have to come first because you would need the trade ammo from that to include in, in the Houston package, et cetera. Um, there's just so many different ways the jets could go. You know, it's like the, the, the draft starts at two because Lawrence is going to go first, but it's also like the entire direction of that. It's not just like the pick and and the draft starts then it's like the whole mechanics of that franchise with that decision. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, okay. So bold prediction time. And listen, I realize we're six weeks out, but how many quarterbacks go in the first round and how off and, and how do you think they come off the board as of right now? So I'd say five, Um, I would say five. Um, and I would go, um, Lawrence first. It seems that the tea leaves right now, it seems like, uh, Wilson, um, it has the steam for two. I don't know if that's just smoke screen stuff. You know, I, I mentioned I'm, I'm more pessimistic on him than general, but you know, that, that's where it seems like right now. Um, fields, I, I would assume three, uh, Lance is the wild card. Yeah. Um, he's like the, um, I, I, I don't mean to comp him apples to apples to this guy for sure, but He's like the Pat Mahomes of his class in that right. it only takes one team, right? Where it's like um, his profile is, I mean, you know, the, the cliche vernacular is he, he's the biggest boomer bus guy in this class, but he's also one of the bigger boomer bus guys of any class because he's coming in historically inexperienced, 17 yeah. FCS starts, which you just don't see from a, a top 10 prospect. Um, but his ceiling is ludicrously high, perhaps higher, you know, as high as any prospect in this class outside of, of Lawrence. So he's a guy where it's just going to take one team to talk themselves into him, which after Lawrence, it, that sort of puts him on the clock at any point. You know, one, right. one team could just like when the chiefs took um, uh, Mahomes over Watson, that was seen as a surprise at the time. Right now I would put Lance at four, but all I'm saying is he could surprise, you right. know, because one team could just get gumption about him, but I put him four, And I do think Mac, 
personally, I don't know that I believe that Mac Jones is a first round talent, but I do think that he's going to go in the first round. I don't think he's going to go, uh, number eight or number nine or whatever uh, Mike Tannenbaum said on ESPN was his draft floor. I, I thought that was a bit rich for a guy that's seen as the consensus quarterback five in the class would require four quarterbacks to go above him and, and still go at the, the nine slot. Uh, that seems a little bit unrealistic to me, but I, I think if you're a betting man, and I most certainly am, um, if you got 32 slots in the first round, we know the other four guys are going to be going pretty high. I mean, you know, top 10, top 12 um, after that, Mac Jones, I mean, you know, there's a huge drop-off after Mac Jones, whether you're talking to Adam Trask or, you know, Jamie Newman or who, Kellen Mond. Kellen you know, Mond, yeah. Chris, Chris Sims' boy, you know, to, going back yeah. to your colleagues. But, uh, you know, wh- whoever you decide is the other guy, there's an enormous drop-off qualitatively, however you want to slice it. So, you know, either way you look at it, that's the reason that Mac Jones has, has so much value. I, I do think he's going to end up going in the first round. Mac Jones, the Alabama quarterback. Were you the one who comped him to a less athletic Andy Dalton? I did, and that was disrespectful. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Mac Jones. <laughs> but I don't take it back. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, Thor. Uh, we appreciate you joining us, man, and hopefully we can talk to you again uh, as the draft gets closer. Anytime, brother. Anytime. Thanks, man. That's Thor Nystrom. He's the NFL draft analyst from uh, NBC Sports Edge, uh, kind enough to join us on the program. Yeah, I, I think... I think five quarterbacks go in the first round for sure, and I'd be very curious to see if uh, maybe somebody falls in love with uh, one of the other guy. Um, it was, uh, you know, Kel- or another guy, uh, Kellen Mond from Texas A&M. I know Chris Sims, we mentioned him, was uh, was high on him. So uh, as Thor said, it just it takes one team. It takes one team to uh, to fall in love with a quarterback and select him in the first round. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 620. I'm Joey Alfieri with John Still uh, with you till 1 o'clock. Uh, we will be talking CF Montreal with their assistant sporting director, Vasily Kremenzidis. How close are they to naming a new coach? Uh, we'll uh, we'll get into that just after 1235. Uh, but the Canadians had a morning skate that's over with. And uh, we'll bring you the latest lineup notes and we'll revisit our question of the day. Saturday Sports on TSN 690. I'm Joey Alfieri with John Still with you till 1 o'clock. We'll be talking to CF Montreal's Assistant Sporting Director Vasily Kremenzidis in uh, just under 10 minutes' time. Wanted to revisit our Saturday Sports question of the day. It's a poll question. You can find it at Joey Alfieri and at TSN 690 on Twitter. If you could use just one of these two players between now and the end of the season, which one are you rolling with? Uh, Yoel Armia is one option and Corey Perry is the other. And right now, Yoel Armia is trailing Corey Perry. Uh, 67% of you believe that Perry is the better option to Armia. And a part of the reason we ask this question is because Yoel Armia finds himself on a new line this morning uh, at the morning skate. He's with Suzuki and Drouin. Uh, Anderson did participate. Josh Anderson did in the morning skate. He was on a line with Jesperi Kotkaniemi and Tyler Toffoli. So that that's going to be interesting. Uh, but Dominic Ducharme mentioned just moments ago that uh, that Anderson is a game-time decision, so there's no guarantee that he does play. Uh, and even if he does, uh, depending on the situation that the game presents itself uh, or that presents itself within the game, uh, they may have some movement going on at right wing. So uh, maybe they're not comfortable. They don't think Josh Anderson can play all the minutes that they want to give uh, Kotkaniemi and uh, Toffoli. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe they're just experimenting on the right side. Uh, but uh, yes, the Canadians are making changes to their lines. But Deneau, Gallagher, and Tatar are staying together. 
and uh, Suzuki drawing at Armia, like I mentioned, Karkanyemi, Anderson, Toffoli, Lekkonen, Evans, Perry. Uh, but I did see where Lekkonen was working hard. Apparently, a couple of the reporters there hard. He was working hard um, after practice. So I don't know if that means that Lekkonen might be a scratch if uh, if Anderson pl- doesn't uh, or if Anderson does play. But it seemed like Paul Byron was the extra. Uh, no changes to the defense pairings. And uh, so Victor Mete is the extra there and Carey Price in goal for your Montreal Canadiens as they take on the Winnipeg Jets on TSN 690 tonight. A five o'clock pregame show with uh, Campbell and Gallo and uh, the puck drop is just after seven o'clock and we'll have full postgame reaction to whatever happens as well throughout the evening. So from five o'clock on, uh, it is all Montreal Canadiens all the time on TSN 690. Just a reminder, uh, if you do miss any part of the show, you want to go back and listen to it. Uh, you want to listen to the show again in, in its entirety. Uh, maybe you missed Kent Manderville in the first hour, or you just missed Thor Nystrom uh, breaking down the uh, NFL draft scene and you want to hear it. You want to hear the whole thing. Uh, you can find us on uh, Apple podcast, uh, you can find us on uh, SoundCloud, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. Just search for Saturday Sports on TSN 690, uh, and you'll be able to find us there minutes after the show is over. But uh, it is time to talk a little bit of soccer, and CF Montreal are still searching for a new head coach. How short is the short list? Their assistant sporting director, Vasily Kremanzidis, will join us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. It was a departure that, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was sad to see him go. Um, obviously, we didn't have a lot of time with him to really you know, get the foundation of how he wanted to play. And obviously with all the circumstances of, of COVID happening, it, it, it was, it was, yeah, it was difficult to, to see him go, but we completely respect his decision. Obviously when a new coach comes in, it's, you know, every coaches bring their own philosophy and, and technical awareness and ideas. That's the hardest part, you know, for us as players to adapt to that. If you get used to a certain, uh, a certain coach and his philosophy, and then a, a new coach comes in and he changes it completely, uh, that's that's a bit tough. I'm ready for that for a long time. But again, I know my position. And uh, as an assistant coach, we have to understand that for me, it was a good formation. A good formation because it was a, it's been a real formation. And maybe I'm going to come back as, a, as an assistant coach and it's going to be good also for me. But the fact that I was able to see a lot of coaches with... Um, different personality with a different concept, different uh, uh, way to see the football. So for me, it was a gift. Those are the voices of CF Montreal defender Joel Waterman on Thierry Henry leaving the organization. That was midfielder Sam Piet on adapting to new coaches and how difficult that can be. And the final voice you heard there was interim head coach Wilfred Nancy on being ready for the challenge if he is named uh, head coach uh, on a full-time basis. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690. I'm Joey Alfieri with John Still. We're with you till 1 o'clock on TSN 690. And it's a pleasure to welcome good friend of the show. He is the assistant sporting director of CF Montreal. He's Vasily Kremenzidis. Vasily, what's up? How are you? Good afternoon, Joey. Good, good. How are you? Fantastic, fantastic. Thank you for asking. Um, okay, I, I don't want to harp on Terry Henry because I'd like to move the story forward. Uh, but the only question I will ask you, because uh, it's the first time we've spoken to you since uh, since the announcement was made that he wouldn't be back, but he came out in the media, like he came on with us uh, right before the, the playoff game against New England and mentioned that it felt like 10 seasons in one and it was really difficult to get through the year. And I'm sure that was the feeling you know, that feeling was felt by everybody in the organization. But when the season ended, 
was there any part of you that thought that this guy might not be back? I mean, the simple answer is no. I mean, we expected, you know, uh, Thierry to come back the year after, so this year, 2021. You know, but at the same time, you you know, you respect his decision, his family decision, you understand it. Um, I don't know if everybody's experienced similar time away from their families, but it isn't easy. So, you know, we respect it and, you know, we move on from that now. Okay, so how short is the short list right now? Look, we have a few serious candidates. Um, we've done, you know, from, if I go back a little bit, we've had tons of calls. We've had emails, um, text messages, what email, whatever. I don't know, I said emails again, but maybe there were hundreds and hundreds of those. <laughs> and we try and filter through, through certain things. I mean, obviously, some are not relevant. Um, some are interesting. Some are not attainable. Um, but there's been tons and tons of interest, as there would be with any position that would be open in MLS. That's just the way it is. I think the league is quite interesting and uh, intriguing for a lot of people to come over. Um, but we've always had thoughts in mind. Um, and I say that in a sense, I'll give you examples with players, right? So when you have a player and, and you know, you got, um, you know, you want to get a striker, you have your first option, your second option, your third option, your fourth option. Now, this year we were fortunate enough to get a lot of our top options in many of our positions, but you don't want to be stuck hanging um, if you don't get your top option. So when we speak about coaching staff, um, it come kind of falls to the same thing. Now, obviously, we expected yeah, Sierra to to come back this season. Um, you know, we, again, we understand and respect his decision and, and wish him the best on that and that all is well. But on our side, you know, we're always speaking with with Olivier and with with uh, with the upper management as to you know what would be our next decision should something happen. You know, you're always prepared. Um, you know, you could be. He could have done, you know, really, really well, and then there are other teams that are interested, or it could have gone the opposite way. So I think we're always prepared. Now, not talking about any interviews, not talking to any of these people, just in our minds, what would be our next step? So um, I think, you know, we were we were prepared with our discussions and all of that so that we can get this done uh, rapidly and move forward. ECF Montreal Assistant Sporting Director Vasily Kremenzidis joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Uh, so you touched on it a little bit there. Uh, I was very curious behind the scenes so once the announcement goes public like what is your cell phone like and what is like how many cvs do you think you got uh not just from like within people who have mls experience but worldwide like what does your email inbox look like you mean you mean when the announcement of Thierry not coming when, back? yeah 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 i mean i think from that moment i was in a meeting and my phone was on constant vibration in my pocket, we were in, a, in another meeting, meeting, and it had nothing to do with the, the coach at that point. It was just something else, um, and yeah, it was just constantly going off. I think the amount of text, phone calls, uh, emails had to be in the triple digits easily. And again, some of them are relevant, some of them are not. Some of them are interesting. Some of them we reached out. Some of them were already in our minds. Um, that's that's there's there's just been a lot. You know, I say hundreds, yeah. and that's between Olivier and I and. You know, even going to other people within the organization if they can't reach us. So how? So you you guys have done the like you've started the interview process already, right? Like so you've spoken to coaches. I'd say we're pretty deep in the process with okay. uh, with a couple of people. So how far? Like how far before an official announcement is made? Would you would you think? I don't have a timeline right now. I don't think you thought I was going to give you a timeline for that either. Um, but I don't have a timeline right now. We know we're going to get it done as soon as possible. There's no rush. Um, the first people to know are going to be the players. 
and you know, and then we'll make it public after that. But I don't have a timeline. We hope you know sooner rather than later. But we're not going to rush um, the decision. Because if you look at it, uh, Joey, you know, we start the season probably sometime in the middle of April, and you know, you would have six weeks preseason normally, um, and that would be as of you know Monday if it's sometime in the middle of April when uh, when we're hoping to start the season. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, John still with you till uh, 1 o'clock. We're in conversation with CF Montreal Assistant Sporting Director Vasily Kremenzidis. John? Vasily, on Wilfred Nancy, I mean, um, he obviously has the qualifications to, to do the job. What what strengths do you think he has Hello? that would make him more of a, uh, that would make him a good uh, candidate to uh, potentially fill in as uh, interim manager for CF Montreal? Hey, Vasily, you there? I hear you now. I didn't hear okay. anything before. So, so, okay, John, I don't think he can. I don't think he can hear you. Okay, so John just asked the question. I don't know if it made it. No, over, I didn't hear we'll, anything when you. Passed it's all good. John, it didn't go through. No worries. We'll, we'll basically what John was asking you. He wants to know what Wilfred Nancy's strengths are uh, as a coach. Look, Wilfred is. You know, if we we would be lying to say that if he wasn't, uh, you know, one of the candidates for the job, I think. Um, you know, over the years, he's had a lot of experience within our club. I think he knows the players in our club. He knows the young players in our club. Um, he learned from several coaches. He's worked with Thierry Henry. He's worked with Remy Gard. He's worked with Mauro Piello. He's worked with several people that he was able to learn from as well. Um, he's got some very interesting things tactically. He wants to play football the way we want to play. Um, you know, most of the time, the way we want to play in our organization. So. He's got a lot of things that are, you know, going in, in his favor. Of course, the lack of experience and, you know, being a head coach for a first team um, is, is something that, that doesn't work in his favor. But at the same time, you know, if, if we feel that he would be the right guy, we have no problem um, putting our confidence in him and giving him a shot if that's the decision we were going to make. Are all these, have all the, me- the, the interviews been done via Zoom? Um, I mean, or whatever with Will because Wilfred because he's right. obviously at the facility. But yes, there would be. I would say there has been a few phone calls, um, and then there have been Zoom interviews or Teams or whatever platform you want to call it, um, video conferencing. I mean, there's no other way right now, right? So yeah. we need to do it that way. So who's so who is in, like who's participating in the interview process? Like Olivier yourself? Yeah, I mean, there's not much more than that. I mean, we consult obviously with the president. As well with Kevin Gilmore, um, you know, keep him up to date on on the work that's being done, um, on our what our thoughts are on certain people, and that's about it. I mean, Olivier and myself are are in on um, almost all the calls and 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 uh, zooms and interviews. So uh, again, I know you're not gonna you're not giving any names here. I mean, unless you want to, that's fine. I I would I would love that. Um, you keep promising that you're gonna break news on the show, and we're still waiting. But we appreciate you joining us anyway. Um, but so what, what is the, not, what does it look like, but how many serious candidates are there right now? Um, you know, we've probably narrowed it down to about a handful. I want to say there's even less than that in terms of really, really, really serious ones after speaking with, um, with many people, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to, like you said, I'm not going to share any names, even though you would like them, but, um, (laughs) you know, at the end of the day, you know, we'll hope to make our decision and. Uh, soon, and then you know, move forward from there. Yeah, I don't. I don't do it for me, uh, Vasily. I do it for this audience. 
That's that. Those are the people that I'm I'm looking out for. Sure, you'll catch me one time. It's gonna slip up, and then you're gonna you're gonna be applauded for your persistence. That's all I'm trying to do. That's all I'm trying to do. But so on the timing, and I'll bring John in uh, again. And we'll see if we uh, iron out the technical difficulties there. But I'll bring John in after this one. But so so the you you mentioned before that there's no rush in naming a manager. The timing of Thierry leaving is obviously not ideal. But why do you feel like there's no rush? Is it because the first couple of weeks are, of camp are dedicated more to fitness, or like what's the reason for that? Look, I'm, I, I guess there's two things. I mean, one, I just wanted to, you know, in terms of timing, I don't know if there's any good time for a coach to leave or a coach to come in or anything like that. But I think there's worse time than that. You know, he could have left in the middle of the season, and then you're left hanging. I mean, there's been clubs and in, in even in MLS that have coaches left or whatever it is in the middle of the year. Um, but in terms of in terms of timing, I mean, we're in no rush. We want to try and get the best candidate, give everybody a fair, um, everybody that we're interested in, you know, fair shot to speak with. Um, we're not going to say it's because the the uh, it's just preseason. I mean, preseason is important and fitness wise and everything for the guys to get ready for a long season is important. Um, but at the same time, I mean, let's just say you know you had a, a person that needed to come from outside of Canada and they needed to quarantine for. 14 days, and then they can only join the team after 14 days. I mean, we're not we're not making a decision for the immediate immediate future. In term, and when I when I say that, I mean like it's not a decision for two months. It could be a decision for one year. It could be a decision for two, three, four. So I don't think you know two weeks or an extra week here and there is going to make the biggest of differences. How important is MLS is, is MLS experience to you guys right now? I think the important thing comes with understanding how the North American game works. So there's a lot of leagues that have, you know, a lot of travel. There's a lot of games, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. Uh, and I come back to the travel part, the big challenge, you know, when you got to go across the country. I'm not sure what the schedule will look like this year, you know, just based on how the NHL did it and, and a couple of the other uh, major North American sports leagues. But there's a lot of challenges. And I think you need to have somebody in place, whether that's uh, as an assistant um, or as a head coach that knows uh, or is willing to listen to the challenges of roster rotation, of travel, of everything that comes with MLS that you might not see in um, in the European soccer or um, any other, like basically soccer in some of the bigger countries. That also goes with you know non charter travel, and we're talking regular season here, right? Not uh, non COVID uh, kind of years so when you got to do normal travel with um, just just a normal plane, not a charter travel. So. There's a lot of challenges that come with it, um, and it's just important to have somebody that's there that understands it. I don't know if it necessarily needs to be in the head coaching position, but somebody that they would be able to listen to um, and understand how that how it works, and that it's very much different than uh, any other league that they've been part of. So I'll leave you with this one, uh, Vasily, and uh, thank you for joining us and uh, standing in there and uh, taking the shots from us. But um, in, in ter- I think we knew when Terry Henry came in and was named the, the manager, I think we knew that he wouldn't necessarily be around long term. Like, I, you know, to me, I thought I didn't know he would be gone within a year, but I thought it would be two years. You know, I think it'd be around then and then he'd make the jump to Europe in terms of having some stability there, because we know that the organization has run through a lot of coaches. But in terms of having somebody who's going to be here for maybe three, four years, if all goes well. Where does that rank on the priority list, or are you interested in a candidate who might be around for a year, two years, and then make the leap to Europe? Um, look, there's always you always want to keep some stability within your club. I know 
here at CF Montreal, it always hasn't been the case. You know, I was in San Jose before. It wasn't the case either. So I've probably worked with more coaches than the year's experience. I've been in the league for like nine years now, and I think it's 10 or 11 coaches that I've worked with. Um, so you'd like to have some stability from year to year. Um, but ideally, if you know, if the right candidate comes along and um, he's interested in staying here for a longer period of time, then yes, of course, it's important for us to, to have, you know, like you said, two, three, four years um, at a time. But at the same time, if you do give somebody a shot and it only ends up being, you know, one year or it ends up being shorter or whatever it is because things didn't work out, I mean, that's just how it is sometimes. I can't sit here and tell you that, yes, we're going with this guy because we expect him to be here for three, four years. Or, we're, you know, we do expect it, but if the results are not there, then obviously stuff is going to change. Um, so that's that's pretty much, you know, our thought process in, when you ask uh, that question. All right. Thanks for doing this, Vasily. We appreciate it. And uh, you didn't let anything slip. And I did not say the word impact once during this hit, so I know you're proud of yourself and I'm proud of myself. Well, Joey, that's very good. I mean, I remember the last one, you guys, you know, it was a bit different. But you guys are getting used to it. So CF Montreal and Droit Devant. There you go, Droit Devant. Thanks for doing this. Talk again soon, okay? Thanks, guys. Take care. That's Vasily Kremenzidis. He's the assistant sporting director of CF Montreal joining us on TSN 690. Some interesting, some interesting nuggets there. We didn't get any names. We didn't unearth uh, any uh, state secrets, but... Uh, very interesting that it's just he and and Olivier Renard in the in the interview process when they're talking to coaches, and they'd like some stability there, but it's not a prerequisite. John, anything that jumped out? I've been fiddling with trying to understand what the okay. hell's going on with my microphone <laughs> for the better part of twenty minutes now, but um, yeah, I think. Uh, I think I understand um, where he's coming from in terms of uh, of uh, North American style. That, that that would be the only follow up question I would have had for him is, what exactly is the North American style to you? We we understand it's physical, but uh, there are teams, li- there are leagues like the Bundesliga and the Premier League that are also very physical as well. So I just uh, I want to know exactly what qualifications does he think the North American game has that uh, makes it completely different from yeah. some different leagues. But uh, all in all, I think that uh, for the most part, uh, the comments on Wilfred Nancy and everything, I understand. They're in a they're in a tough spot. They, they get that they've been put in a difficult position, and he's right that uh, it would have been much worse if it was the middle of the season and uh, no one would have known. But at the same time, at least in the middle of the season, you would have had an entire training camp to work on the tactics of the manager, mm-hmm. and you could have the assistant kind of go with those same tactics the rest of the way. Now it's really kind of all wholesale changes, which is why I think that uh, I think that Wilfred Nancy should get the job for me, just because uh, there's just not enough time to bring somebody in and think that the first season is going to be anything near a success uh, based on the amount of work they would have to do. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri and John still uh, with you for a few more minutes. I want to move on. I want to do talk. I want to talk about some hockey, uh, and I don't want to beat the Stefan Wade story to death. Uh, that firing happened on uh, Tuesday, and my job is to advance the story. So we will do that. He was on TSN 690 yesterday. If you missed it, uh, we'll bring back some of the interesting co- quotes he had about Mark Bergevin and Carey Price. You just told me that uh, said, Steph, uh, I decided to change and make a change. I uh, let you go and. Um... Uh, he said that he felt that uh, Kerry needs a new voice, and that uh, for him that was very important. Uh, Kerry has a good uh, end of season and good playoff because uh, 
maybe uh, the next time that's going to be uh, his job on, on that. Right. So that's that's the reason why I told him some my stuff. Uh, Burge, I don't understand. I, I I got a plan and I, I know exactly what I'm doing. I still uh, I know Kerry's still with me. He's still uh, focused. He's still uh, uh, so. But uh, the for for Burge that was uh, that was over. So. Uh, that's it. Uh, took uh, five minutes and uh, back downstairs to cut my stuff and just leave. Stefan Waite, who joined Melnick in the afternoon yesterday afternoon. If you missed the full conversation, uh, there were a lot of uh, interesting nuggets that were dropped uh, throughout that talk. So you want to go to the TSN 690 website and uh, check out the full interview. Uh, but that was uh, Stefan Waite on Mark Bergeron going into his uh, luxury suite. And uh, telling him that uh, he was his services were no longer necessary with the organization. Uh, going, I was live on the air on Tuesday night when that news broke. Uh, Gallo and I were doing the the post game show, and I thought Kerry Price and, and I take Stefan Wade at his word, uh, everything that he said. And I thought Kerry Price maybe had more influence on the situation than he probably did because I do think that Stefan Wade was being truthful with us. But it wasn't the case, and it just it just seems like in that that quote there at the end about uh, Bergeron saying that uh, if Carey Price doesn't get straightened out, I'm the next one to lose my job. It, it just goes to show that uh, maybe he doesn't have the assurance of Jeff Molson. And there's other times where things weren't going well, where yes, Bergeron was very much defensive, and but he still always seemed to have that. Um, like there's the pressure of, of not getting results, but the pressure of potentially losing your job is something else. Now, this is going to go one of two ways. Uh, either, you know, sometimes you're backed into a corner and you make a desperation move and it becomes just that it's desperate and it doesn't end up working. Like I, I personally, this is my opinion, I don't think it's a big deal that they moved on from Stefan Wade, but I think Stefan Wade would have straightened Carey Price's issues out. I just, I, that's how I feel. But my job isn't depending on it. So Bergevin is backed into a corner, and he felt like this is this is it. This is the move he had to make uh, to, to try to get Carey Price's season back on the rails. Now we'll see if it works. Sometimes when you're backed into a corner, like we said, you make desperation moves and they fail, and then other times you're facing adversity and you trust your gut and it ends up working out. So we'll see where this goes. I don't know. Uh, there was a couple of other... Uh, quotes that I did want to bring up just before uh, we finished up on Saturday Sports. Joey Alfieri and John Still on TSN 690. Uh, this is on the moments after uh, Carey Price found out that Stefan Waite uh, had lost his job. He picked up the phone and he called Stefan Waite. That was a great talk and uh, that's just show what, what kind of guy is, uh, Price he is. He's a, he's a class act guy and uh, I, I got a, he's a good person, a good father and uh, I uh, got a, a lot of respect for him, and uh, he, I, I, I think I know he respects me too uh, uh, as well. So that uh, I, nothing to say about, uh, about Carey Price. So there you go. And he, he went on to say that uh, Carey asked him if he could go over to his condo in Montreal the next day, and they had an emotional chat for about an hour and a half. So I, I don't think hearing Stefan Wade out, I don't think that this was necessarily Carey Price driven. It just seems like Mark Bergman has his feet to the fire and this is what he felt was best. Maybe he's going to be right. Maybe he's going to be wrong. Uh, I like Sean Burke as a hockey person. I've never met him, uh, but as a hockey person, I think you look at the body of work with the goaltenders he's he's 
he's helped get back on track. Dubnik, Mike Smith, and company out in Arizona, and I do think that he does have the ability to get uh, Carey Price uh, back to where he needs to be for this team to be successful. So uh, it's an interesting storyline. Uh, I did want to give uh, Stefan Wade an opportunity uh, to uh, express himself. That's what happened yesterday on Melnick in the afternoon, and I thought the quotes uh, were very interesting. That's all the time we have for Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Uh, if you missed any part of the show, uh, I encourage you to go uh, to our uh, podcasts and our podcast page you can find us on apple Podcasts. you can find us on google play you can find it basically wherever you get your podcast just search just search saturday sports on tsn 690 uh, and we'll pop up subscribe and <laughs> this song played in the background is fantastic from dan Byrne. it's all about me and that's why i love it um, but uh, yes subscribe leave a positive comment and uh, we would definitely appreciate that john thanks man and uh, i know you'll be back on the pregame show with campbell and gallo so uh, have a great rest of your day dude thanks for uh, chiming in yeah tune in at five o'clock maybe i'll figure out what's wrong with this mic i can hear you prob- loud and clear probably not I-, I don't know what's going on i can hear you loud and clear have a great rest of your saturday enjoy the weekend everybody it's the jerry joey yeah, the jerry joey